Bruce Kayateri was born in Rwanda, where he now lives with his wife and two children. He says, I am a child of God born again after receiving Jesus Christ in my life, and I have seen the work of God throughout all my life. He's passionate about ministering and mentoring. Bruce has worked in leadership for about a decade, working in factory operations, supply chain, production systems of luxury products, accessories, and handcrafted home decor. He supervised large groups of various artisans and is compassionate in empowering women, especially in rural areas. He also specializes in training companies on ethical compliance. He is currently working for All Across Africa, Kazi, a company based in California. Bruce and I met when I was on a trip to Rwanda in 2015, visiting Kate Spade's Rwandan Artisan Factory. He was working as a leader for Kate Spade's on-purpose collection, handmade by artisans in Masoro, Rwanda, and we immediately connected over our love of God and family. I've kept in touch all these years and have been so impressed by the way he champions women and their vital roles as leaders and creators. I've also admired for years his consistent commitment to the gospel of Jesus Christ and wanted a chance to ask him more about his faith and how it's impacted the rest of his life. Bruce and I have had conversations over the years about trust in God, forgiveness, and the role of our Savior in our lives, and I'm so grateful he would share all of this with us here today. Bruce, I'm so excited to have you on my podcast today. Thank you so much for being here all the way from Rwanda. So wonderful. Yeah, I'm excited as well. Um, now I'm I'm in Kigali. So Okay. Yeah, so there is like I I was different. So <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for being here and a busy time of year too, Christmas season. So I appreciate it so much. So, yeah. Bruce, for anyone who doesn't know you, can you tell us a little bit about who you are and how what you do and how you got started in your industry? Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, my name is Bruce Kaitari. Um, I live in Rwanda, so I'm a married person. Uh, I am a man. I have a wife and two beautiful daughters. So one is five. No, four years old, and the little one is four, five months. Today, she completed five months. Oh. Old. I work for All Across Africa. All Across Africa does a basket weaving. So it's an international company that is U.S. basket, but works in Rwanda, in Ghana, Tanzania, in the Uganda, but also from Madagascar. So... Since 2000, I have like 10, over 10 years experience in this. I've been working for any other many organizations, including Cutspad, which you know very much. And most of the, these companies are supporting women. So like 90, over 90 percent is like women based. Yeah. yeah, I love that. I love that you are such a champion for women and women in the workplace. And in fact, I wanted to start off with something that I saw on your Instagram that was beautiful quote. You said, I believe that the money that comes into a woman's handbag will impact more lives than money in a man's wallet. And I loved that you said that. <laughs> yeah, as I said, for over the ago I've been working around alongside the women and I saw how much the money that they gain how is important to their families because if a woman gain like ten dollars or 
such amount of money. So the, the first thing that comes to their mind is their their families, how babies are going to live. So like the households, it's difficult to my society. It's difficult for a woman to go to hang out with other women without supporting their families. I may have my money in my wallet. So when I meet other guys, we can go and hang out for coffee or something. And I spend the whole money without even taking it to the family. So I believe where when there is much money in the family or the lot of income that comes to the family, this goes supports the family to the household rather than the money that is with men. That's my belief. And that's my observation. And also that's according to my experience. My childhood, I faced some few problems to relate to the family issues, political issues as well. But if I come back to the family issues, I saw that men in my society, they drink too much rather than women. So much money is spent outside of the, the household. So that's, that, that's where the courts come from. I really learned a lot when I went to Rwanda. So you and I met through Kate Spade. And yeah. you were managing, how many women were you overseeing in the factory there? Yeah, by the time I were managing three, uh, it was almost 300. It was two, 280 women in, in production, in handbag production. And I was excited how these women were working on high-ended, uh, luxurious bags in such a village to be to be to compete to the, to the US because by the end of 2016 I was in US and I was able to visit some stores, some Gucci stores or anthropology, any other stores. And I saw alongside I visited also Catspade stores. So I could see how the bags made in a village in Rwanda, they were beautiful and they could compete on the market of the same bags made in China or in India or from other factories. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the thing that really, really surprised me and that I learned a lot from was how much the local economy was stimulated by all those women working and specifically, like you said, women, because then they were able to hire other women to help with their children in their home or go buy things at the market that stimulated the economy and it was just really cool to see how these women really loved their craft and they perfected it and they worked really hard at it. And then it was able to have this really wonderful, far-reaching effect on a wide community because, you know, the women there were working and being able to provide for their families. And I just thought that was such a beautiful thing to see. Yeah. So that's what we say in our society. Because when I try to measure the impact, now, I, as I said, I'm working with all across Africa. So we work with around 5,000 women all, of, all across the country. So and when we estimate the impact, so we are touching more than 30,000 people. So which means each, each, woman, each woman, so they support their nieces, their families, and you know, in Rwanda, but maybe we are sharing the same experience. Women, they produce a lot of children. That's, yeah. that's our society. That's our society. So if we count, we multiply the, the people who are benefiting from this money, uh, the children, the nieces, or the, the extended families. So 
that's really how you see how women are committed and to change the society. Yeah, and I love that Rwanda, and and maybe it's this way in a lot of Africa, but Rwanda specifically, when I would tell people at the time I had two children, everyone was so, they reacted really excited and joyful about that because people really value families there and children, and I love that, that that's part of your culture there. By the time I joined the society, international society, there are some of the questions that we ask in Rwanda that they can't ask. Maybe with you, I was able to ask because for us, when you tell people who you are, they tend to ask you if you are married, if you have kids. And for the Western society, we know that people will respond that they have their cats and dogs. And some people will, will just laugh at you or they, want, they will keep quiet. So, but when I remember when you told me that you have two kids and then I asked, what? how do we have two kids? And then the answer was, I was raised in a Christian family and a different faith, respect God. So that's how I became interested in you and started following you either on Instagram or on other social media or through the messages. So yeah, that's it. For the Western society, we don't think about having children because it's different society. We are different cultures. So for me, who is educated, I understand what it means. I understand how it feels. And so, and sometimes when you manage people and you get guests, so sometimes you get them for the questions that they should not be asking because of different cultures. Sometimes you may ask the question, which is really, which is really the person makes people feel nervous or offended. Well, I really loved that we had that in common as well when when we made that connection that we were both Christians and that you believed in God. And and that's something that I've highly valued as well in the things that you share on your Instagram and and that you are a believer and that you believe in God and that you believe in Christ. So I would love to know how that has affected your life and how it affects your day-to-day, everything that you do, because I know that's such a central part of your life. Uh, thank you very much. As I told you when I was a little child, I faced some family issues. My parents got separated when I was two. I left with my dad. So when I was almost 13, 12, I lost my dad and I was living an angry, angry life. So it was difficult for me to, to afford food. So affording school was very difficult. So I had to, to trade sugar cane to, to get a notebook to write on, to find food. So I was really living a bad life. That angry life that it developed, so I created self-defense in myself. So when I was growing up, up to 15, 16, 18, so I thought I should be fighting on the street or hit people that I met on the street. So uh, to reveal my name, even before it was not Bruce. So I, I've got three names. I'm Kaitare Abraham Bruce. So, and by the time I developed, I learned from Bruce. So then uh, I, I adopted the name because I was feeling that I should be defending myself. So, but by the time I was in senior four, it was 2000. I think 
I read, uh, I was balancing myself on, on, on the, the balancing balls. I don't remember mm-hmm. how I can tell you. So I was balancing myself. Then when my legs were up, I fell down uh, facing, uh, hitting my, my, my teeth on the cement, oh, on the, the floor. By the time I was bleeding, and then there was kind of sound in my mind, which is someone, you know, someone. We call it Zaburi. Someone from verse 1 up to verse 6. So I don't remember the, you can read from the, 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 the someone, the verse 1 up to 6. So there is, they show how people who are lucky, it shows who is lucky. Lucky person is the one who doesn't follow the bad ways. So it describes the difference between bad people and good people. On verse 4, it says that bad people uh, will perish because they don't respect the God. So then I said I have to, I have to change my mind. So I repented. After repenting, it's like I was born again. So right. from there, my life changed. So from there, I started reading Bible, understand, because you know Bible, it's not only about ethics and living a good life, but also you know how to adopt love, how to forgive, how to live with others, how to make better choices. So it's from there that I knew, I got new experience and I, was, I became a new creature. So from there, I can't hide who I am because I know that if I didn't change my mind from that time, I could have perished when I was a little kid. So from there, I remember that served my life in 1994 genocide and, and after months of genocide, God saved my life because there's a purpose on me. From there, then I said, okay, I have to live building a good relationship with God and with people. So from there, when I see people, I think the, the great thing that they have to share is great news because that's what I know. I live on almost three principles. It's Pray hard, build a good relationship with God and people, and work hard. That's my principles with life. I love that. And I love that you shared some of those principles that you learned when you started to turn to God and read the Bible. And I don't know if you know this, but when Neil's brother died almost four years ago, you said something to me that really was very helpful. When I shared about how Neil's brother was murdered and and you said, don't let the hate and anger sit in your heart, but choose forgiveness because that will just hold you back and weigh you down if you if you just sit and hate. And you mentioned forgiveness. So I would love for you to just teach on that for a minute, like what you have learned about forgiveness. When I was at university, I was near one because, you know, forgiveness is a journey. It's not just something that comes easily. Right. So I couldn't understand how my mother and my father got separated. I had this scholarship. It was a U.S. scholarship. There was an NGO, a U.S.-based NGO working in Rwanda, which helped me to study university. So there we had we could afford, we could be able to find a psychologist. 
just to help with mental disorder or mental problem, depression. You know, so when we sat down, he asked me if I had any problem. I said, okay, I think I have some problems because I couldn't myself uh, call mom. Like, mom, I pronounced that word. It was difficult for me. You couldn't come out of my mouth because I was like, though I had repented some some years back, but uh, I, could, I couldn't afford to pronounce the word. So we sit down and then the doctor asked me to make a list, a list of men, people of male who helped me through my life to separate with the list of the people, female, who helped me through my life. So I made the list and then I found that the long list of, of, was on female side. Then he said, you see, so you don't have to be biased uh, towards any woman because you will not have another mother except your mother, your bloody mother who, who has to bear you for nine months. So, but also she might have other problems that you didn't know. So you need to learn how to forgive. So from that time, I was able to forgive her and start talking to her and maybe and also paying some visits. And after all, I also became a preacher. I'm a preacher. I share the gospel in my church or with people, especially in my church or with people. And my principle, I can't share something that they don't do because I can't tell you something that I, that I can practice myself. So right. I can't tell you about forgiveness if I know that I can't forgive. There were two times which were difficult for me to forgive. That one was from my mom. Another one is, it was 2013 yeah, when I broke up with, with my girlfriend. So we were about to get married. So we were about to go to visit families. So she suddenly called me, called me on my phone and said, yeah, Bruce, so I'm no longer in this together. We're no, no longer in this together. So um, nothing. I couldn't understand that. So I had to wait until 2002, for three years. I had to wait for three years to pray and call and meet her and forgive her and resume my journey. And I saw that after forgiving her, it's when my eyes were open to see Nelly uh, with whom we are living together. So I think forgiveness, it really a good relationship with God. It helps you to, to open eyes and get new opportunities and also you feel released from the, the, the burden that you're pouring in your heart. Yeah. I feel like a lot of your stories are so relatable because a lot of people go through that with families and with relationships. I think one of the most unique things that I got from visiting Rwanda was interviewing a lot of the women that worked at ADC at the Kate Spade factory and having them share their experiences from the genocide. And then also reading um, Immaculate. I'm sure I'm going to say her last name wrong. I don't know how to say her last name. Yes. And <laughs> she taught, she teaches forgiveness so beautifully yeah. in her book. 
I wonder, because you've been in these leadership positions with people who experienced that, where have you seen a difference between people who choose forgiveness and people who do not choose forgiveness? As I was saying, when you don't choose forgiveness, there is this continuous anger that burdens your heart, that prevents you to feel joy, that mm. makes you feel angry with yourself, with, with people. So there is a lot of uh, depression and mental uh, disorder or traumatic period that comes to you every time. So for me, what I do with people, I don't just uh, push people to forgive because I know it is dangerous. So I show how dangerous it is to stay in anger, how good it is to try to learn forgiveness, but also because we are human beings and there are some of the things that we can't do by ourselves. That's where it comes within the prayer. We need a prayer. We need a prayer. So I pray for them. I say that I know how difficult it is. is the person is not reaching to the level of forgiveness. It's for them to feel good, uh, to make this step of forgiveness. So for a Christian as well, we are going to heaven and we are taught about love. And it's, it's difficult to love people when you don't forgive them. That's a beautiful answer. Thank you. Okay, I wanted to ask you about something that I saw that you wrote on your profile. You said that you are a father, global fashion artist, art, artisan leader, social leader, saved Christian minister, mass atrocities preventer. I want to know what that means. So when you talk about mass atrocity, you know, like there is, you know, we live in Africa, there is like, there is always conflict between regions, between regions, uh, between our country and the Congo, between Congo and the Burundi, between, so there is all ongoing, there is this ongoing conflict. Mm -hmm. So I can't prevent the world being covered in, in Ukraine when I'm sitting here. But right. I know God has some ways. So, you know, the Bible says that even if we are a human being, we don't fight as human being because our weapon are they are the ones that go in some people's heart, in some people, in some people's mind, and we bury them and we we tie them to Jesus. That's what uh, Paul said. So I don't use your human weapon to prevent, but for me is to pray for the society to change and to prevent oppressions and prejudice and they just kill people around the world. That's Maybe that's what I do, which is different from what other philanthropic people do. Prayer is so powerful. So can you tell me about an experience where you've really seen prayer work, where it, where you could see that prayer made a difference? So when I give testimony to people, I say there is nothing that I have asked God that they have not yet received. So maybe not... The, if I say, I give you one experience from the recent experience. When we conceived the, our second our second baby, mm -hmm. after four months, there was, we had a miscarriage and there were twins. 
and we conceived for this, the, the third time also after three months, there were miscarriages. So I was really shocked because I had to take my wife to hospital. So, you know, uh, they had to, 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 to inject anesthesia. So she was losing her conscience to come back and recognize my face it was really difficult. So when we conceive for this baby that we have, so my wife had to go to, to she, she's a nurse, she's, she's a nurse and she works in neonatology. So she knows how to support babies because that's what she's doing. She had this test, the pregnancy test, and after she found that it was positive, she gave it to me to go to throw it away. So when I was on my way going, so I threw it away, and after some minutes, and then I say, I, did, I don't have to, to throw that because that's a baby. It's not just a pregnancy test. That's a baby. So I came back, I had to put it in my, because I have my small wallet when, where I put all my, all my cards. So I had to put this, this small pregnancy test. I put it in my wallet and I say, this is a baby. I'm going to hold this baby within my arms and share with the church or with the members uh, that I have a baby that I've been praying for. So from this small piece of that I show you, we have a beautiful baby and I, maybe I think I have shared with you some pictures. So yes, yeah, from there, I have seen the prayer working. I have so many examples, but that one I think is really, really meaningful yeah that's really special i love that i yeah. love that and i i love that you take those and share your faith with others too because i think that's how we strengthen each other is to hear each other's stories of faith and prayer and how it really works sure yeah bruce what do you feel like the greatest lesson is that you've learned and being a leader, because you're such a good leader to lots of women, and you've you've had lots of positions in church and in work where you've been a leader. What what do you feel like you've learned from that? Yeah, I learned that people they need they need love. They need to be shown love. Whenever whatever the position you're working on, whatever you're doing, you need to love people, respect them, because life. Changes. I have seen uh, top managers falling down and becoming normal workers. I've seen interns, people coming from being an intern to be a director somewhere. So things change. So we need to respect people because you don't know what tomorrow is holding for them. So you may sit down as a leader when you come to factory or, or the workshop, work. So you don't know what people they are going through. Maybe they need help. They need someone to, to talk to them nicely. Maybe someone is all about to make suicide. But they, when you talk to them, they may, they may, I recently read your, your post and you were talking about people, if people they are becoming with, with bad thought they have, they need someone to talk to. So I have worked on different positions, but also 
I sometimes sometimes you work as counselor, so it's really difficult when you reach at work. Maybe let's say at uh, ABC, someone is using an electric machine, so and you find them crying. So when you ask them, there is something which is difficult in their family, so they don't have hope for tomorrow. So people they need to to be shown that they, you give them value. You love them and they are meaningful and they still have a better future. So I quote Myris Monroe. We said we once said that don't make a permanent decision to a temporary situation. So whatever people they are passing through, it may change. So I always think positive. As a leader, I have to encourage people to be positive, to feel their value, and also to hope for tomorrow. And I love what you said about people just need love. That's so true and universal. I think everyone just needs to feel like they're important, they're seen, they're loved, and and whatever their pain is, is real. And yeah, yeah, I think that 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 can just make such a difference in someone's day if someone just notices that they're struggling or they just need some extra love. What is your greatest hope, Bruce, for your country and for the people of Rwanda, what what do you hope to see in the future? So you know this country has come has come from darkness and it's going to some light, which I think should be continuous. I remember I told you that I got my scholarship from US organization. It was because my country has a good relationship with the US. I know so many other people are studying abroad in the UK, all over the world, if I could say. So it's because my country has a good relationship. So we were known, we were known for killing each other. So even some people, I didn't know how you felt when coming in Rwanda 2016. But in, no, no, it was maybe the end of 2015. I don't remember. December 2015. So yeah. I remember people, they fear to come to our country because they think if they go on the streets, they could be killed and attacked, which is really different. Uh, we are nice people, and mm-hmm. I hope we've been facing some political issues from the past, but the young generation, I mean the children, young people around their 30s, 20s, they are, they are living in a good society. So I hope Tomorrow is better than it is today because young generation, they are committed to study, they are committed to work hard, they are committed also to, to learn from, from other societies which are developed and they are also, uh, because they know, we teach them how bad political issues are. So I hope for a better tomorrow in my country, for my people from my society, for my children. Well, just so that you know what my experience was, I remember right before I went to Rwanda, I was, I I think at a grocery store or a gas station or something. And this man was asking me about what my holiday plans were. And I told him I was going to Rwanda. And he said, oh, that is such a gift. You will never be the same. You will be there will be a version of you before you went to Africa and then after. And the people there are so wonderful and 
full of love that you will come back a different person. And I kind of thought he was exaggerating a little bit. Like that was kind of a lot to claim about just going to another place. And I really wasn't afraid. Kate Spade did a very good job of explaining to us how safe it was and how wonderful it would be. But I underestimated just how much I would be impacted forever. And I do believe now I look back and I think there was a version of me before I went to Rwanda and then a version of me after. And it wasn't because it was scary. It was because the people there are so full of love. And it's just it's so genuine and so true and so real and honest. And I feel like that's what I learned from interacting with you and with everyone else that I met in Rwanda was this very true, real, authentic feeling of love. And I feel like sometimes what you said about, you know, your, your country has been through a lot of darkness and now you're in the light. I feel like people there don't take it for granted. Like you you're so appreciative and it means so much that there's peace and that people love each other. And it was something that I feel like I had never experienced before watching people who just genuinely love each other so much. And that's, that was like the greatest gift that I got from being in Rwanda. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Bruce, if there is one message that you would like the people listening to this podcast episode to remember, what do you want that one message to be? Yeah, uh, although there is hope for good and better future, but also we know the the world is through some difficult problems. You know, the prices on, on the food and everything, it's going higher and higher. So we see people being depressed, they are worried and they worried about tomorrow. And it's like the hope is falling off and they don't know. People are more worried than just feeling the hope. So I think it's because of some of the bad choices that people are making. So I would urge people to keep making good choices for themselves, for the society around them, and also build a good relationship with God with Jesus, because if you have a good relationship with God, if you have a good relationship with people surrounding, if you combine the knowledge you have with ethical values that you have and working hard and also showing some love, help people, help each other, support people with all you can, either sharing testimony, sharing the little you are gaining, uh, sharing knowledge, showing them some opportunities, I think that will really help save the world to live in a very good world. I love that. Thank you so much. Well, Bruce, I hope you have a really wonderful holiday season with your family. And it was such a joy talking to you. And I really hope that we get to see each other in person again someday because it's just been a joy to be your friend and to know you and to watch all of the goodness that you put into the world. Thank you very much. Uh, you are such an amazing person. So uh, when we talked there a little bit when you came in Rwanda, so I was not sure because I myself, I like to connect with people, but also keep talking to them. But I remember the group of eight people that you were with. Uh, you were the one I stayed with, talking and exchanging and happy to know uh, how 
the family is doing, how the business is going. So, yeah, I hope our roads will come across again because I remember when I reached to GFK International Airport. So I was still not really young, but I was single. I had nothing to lose in Rwanda. So I had a friend in Canada who could have escaped and go and just vanish and maybe like other people do. do. But when I stepped on the ground on JFK, I said, I come here at work and I, I know that I will come in this country, come back in this country, either through the ministry, either through diplomatic way, but you know I come back to this country. So that was my declaration, my hope and my belief. So I know I have friends in the US, I have your family, I have other families, I have other different people from different states. So I there is a strong belief that uh, our Lord will be crossing. Yeah, well, you're always welcome here in California. If you ever want to come visit, we'd love to have you. <laughs> sure. Thank you very much. Okay. Well, thank you, Bruce. Thanks so much for listening to Mint Arrow Messages. Make sure you follow us on Instagram at Mint Arrow. Subscribe to our Apple podcast and rate and review us if you like us. And to get show notes, go to mintarrow.com slash podcast. And you can even sign up to get show notes emailed right to your inbox. And we'll email you every time there's a new episode. Oh, 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 oh,